Good morning. Come on. Come on. Lizzie, I thought you did great wherever you've got to. Where are you? She's gone home. <laughs> I thought you did great wherever you are. I thought you did really great today. Felt that you've heard God speak to you and you've chosen songs that are right on his heart of what he wants to speak to us about today. Really good. I thought it was fantastic. And I just want to pick up on that passage from uh, John chapter 8, where Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever, or a daughter. Therefore, if the son, that's the son of Jesus, Son of God, Jesus, makes you free. You shall be free indeed. If you're a slave, you don't have a name. You don't have an identity. You have a number. You're nothing. You don't have any power, any significance. You don't have any purpose or reason for life. You're just trying to stay alive. Nelson Mandela was given a number. The Jews were given a number. Satan wants to rob us, kill us, destroy us, as Kim said, of our identity in God. And Jesus come to change all that. Give you a name, a title an identity, a purpose. Make you a son and a daughter. It might sound a bit odd what I'm going to say to you in some ways today. I'm going to share a bit of my life. Kim and I were recently in Spain visiting one of our sons out there. He's a really interesting character. He's so widely read and... Uh, reads a lot about um, um, life and whether there's a reason for living. And one of his arguments, he, he, um, he wants you to hear what he's got to say. He's not very yet forthcoming in hearing what you've got to say. You know those sorts of people. But this is one of his arguments. Do you know how big the universe is? It's so big. When you look into the sky and you see the stars, you can only just see a few of them. You can't see all of them. Don't you know, Malk, how big the universe is? It is vast. Billions and billions of light years cover its length and its breadth, its height and its depth. And we only see a little part of it. We are infinitesimally small compared to the universe. Why would God have any purpose or reason for making himself known to you? You are nothing. You don't count for anything. Interestingly, I heard David Attenborough say recently on a clip, he said, um, 
he was asked whether he believed in God, and he said, I can take the top off a, off a termite hill, and I can see the workers and the queens in there, and the workers all working around. They don't know that I'm looking in on them, but they're doing about their business. It's the same sort of argument that if there is a God, he hasn't made himself known. I want to say to you, that is the biggest lie. The greatest lie. Before we break bread today, I'd just like to share with you some evidence of how we know God is alive. And as we've been singing, intimately involved in our lives and longing to make himself known to us. A God that is wonderfully, intimately, deeply and passionately caring about us, leaving the 99 to come after the one, the reckless love of God. There's another song I'm listening to right now, which is blessing me. It says, it's extravagant. It doesn't make sense. We'll never comprehend the way you love us. It's unthinkable. Only heaven knows just how far you'd go to say you love us, to say you love us. I have no difficulty in other people holding different views to me. I'm not fearful of any views that they want to express. I'm not threatened by it at all. God has so changed my life. He has so personally come into my life. There isn't any doubt in me whatsoever about the love of God. And I just want to tell as many people as I can before I die so that they can come too. We're going to read a passage of Scripture. Let's just pray before we do. Father, you no longer call us slaves, but friends. Open our hearts to receive all that you want to say to us today. We say yes to Christ being formed in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this passage of scripture. It's a few verses from Exodus chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of, his la- out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. The Hebrew there is El Shaddai. I am God Almighty, all-powerful, all-sufficient for every need. 
But my name, Lord, that's Jehovah. I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, slavery. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people. And I will be your God. Does this, does this sound like a God that's far away? Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Just remind you of the story. The children of Israel had fled to Egypt 400 years earlier to avoid a famine. And they had once known through Joseph, Jacob's son, great favor with Pharaoh. But this Pharaoh eventually died and other Pharaohs came to take his place. And he saw that the Israelites were becoming numerous. There was lots of them. And he said, let's make them our slaves. They'll make bricks for us. Let's keep them down, pressed under our feet, so that they cannot dominate and overtake us. So he set them to work making bricks. Egypt at that time was the superpower of the day. And there's a massive, expansive building program. And all of the children of Israel were called into slavery to make these bricks. And they cried out to God. And God heard their cry. And he sent a man to deliver them, Moses. Moses is like a type of Christ. And Moses went to Pharaoh under God's command to say, let my people go. God wanted his people free from slavery. And Pharaoh said, this is not in the Bible, but Pharaoh said, you're having a laugh, Moses. I'm not letting these people go. They're my slaves. And he put them to harder slavery, not only just making the bricks, but collecting the straw that provided the bonding to the bricks, in addition to churning out and turning out the same numbers of bricks. And the straw got so scarce that they were collecting stubble. And the cry of the children of Israel went up to God. 
crying out for liberty and for freedom. And it's really interesting to me that archaeologists have dug up old buildings in northeastern Egypt where the bricks have less straw in them. You see, this isn't just a nice story. It's an, an historical record of what took place. The children of Israel really were under slavery, under Pharaoh. And God sent a deliverer to set them free. That is the heart of God. That was the heart of God 4,000 years ago. It's the heart of God today. And you know the story that God sent plagues. Actually, his heart was to turn the Pharaoh's heart to him. And he sent plagues to, to demonstrate that he is almighty God. But they weren't listening. And the tenth plague, you know, you know the story, was, was the... Um, um, was the death of the firstborn in every family in Egypt. And God made a plan of the presentation of a perfect sacrifice, a lamb without blemish, one year old, completely perfect, that was to be slaughtered by every household and the blood daubed over the doors and the lintels of each house. And where that blood was, when the angel of death came, he passed over the house. But where there was no blood, those houses lost the firstborn of their children, animals, any, everything that they owned in terms of livestock. And Pharaoh sent the children of Israel out of the land, said, you can go. It's a ridiculous thing to think that any of us can challenge God and come out on top. Utterly ridiculous. God wonderfully intervened and set his people free. He's not far away. He's close. And this picture is wonderfully demonstrated supremely demonstrated through Jesus. We were slaves to sin. Jesus demonstrated his love for us, God's love. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus demonstrated his love by dying for us. It was a free choice on his behalf to die for us that we might become the children of God to all those that call upon his name and accept his dying on the cross in their place he becomes our God and king and we become his children he wonderfully sets us free and breaks the power of sin over our lives and if you don't already know it, 
sin is an unrelenting slave master. I asked Jesus to come into my life in 1975. I know you don't think I'm that old. (laughs) And every day since then, as Claire prayed, he's walked with me. I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress. I knew the forgiveness of God. When, when I asked Jesus to come to my lives, it was like, it was, it was like, it was like heavy weights falling off my shoulders. And God came into my room and I wept. I knew, the, I knew the sense and the presence of God as I asked him to forgive me and to come into my, come into my, my heart. And he did. And I knew his presence wonderfully and I knew that all my sins had been forgiven and whenever whenever God saves us because you know he saves us and forgives us of our sins and that is that's uh, irredeemable that's that is a promise that I am I, I am accepted by God and that I will join with the resurrection of the saints and go to glory but there are other things that are working out in our lives that maybe we haven't yet been saved of. You understand what I'm saying about that? If you are still, if you are still under some addiction or some power in your life, you haven't got breakthrough in that area of your life, have you? And I've known that in my life over a long period of time. And There's always a period of adjustment. Like the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness. God had wonderfully set them free, and it wasn't long before they were thinking, let's get back to Egypt. At least we had a meal there, and something to drink. Imagine how God felt when, when they said that. Kim and I were recently out for a meal with my brother and his wife for something to eat. And um, it, was, it was only a few weeks ago. And I, 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 found, I, I felt, I have a twin brother, if you don't know. And um, <coughs> over recent months, I realized I've been irritating him. And He's been irritating me. And we had a moment on the golf course recently. We were playing with one each of our sons. And um, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, And if you don't know, when when you're putting, the line from the ball to the hole is, is called the line. And you're not supposed to stand on anybody else's line. So he'd already told me off about standing on his line. So I thought, oh, I better, I better walk around so I don't stand on his line. And he shouted out at me, you're standing on my line. At which point I responded very badly and, <laughs> and unedifyingly. And I was hurt, actually. And he was hurt. I said, shut up. 
And he said, no, you shut up. And I said, yo, shut up, shut up. And we were... It was very unedifying. And um, yeah. our two boys are looking at us <laughs> like the parents. And they was... my, my son said, Dad, it's usually us that you say that to. I, I... Anyway, it, he was hurt and I, I was hurt. And there's been a, there's been a disconnect. And I, I apologized to him. And something else had come up that um, I, I'd got in touch with some hurts from my childhood. And I wanted to speak to him about it because I hadn't ever really spoken to him about it. And uh, whilst I, I, I tried to talk... I, I wanted to talk to him. My, my mum and dad separated. I wanted to talk about these hurts, about my mum and dad separating and some of the things. And I couldn't, I couldn't control it. I, I got in touch with deep-seated hurts. And I started to cry. I thought, what am I doing? I'm in the restaurant. I st and I started to cry, and I couldn't stop crying. And um, Kim and... Mike and Helen, also, the four of us were crying around the, um, <laughs> I don't know what other people thought. <laughs> you see, there are, there are, I thought they'd been dealt with, but there are unhealed wounds. <coughs> Things that had bound me, that had become strongholds in my life, growing up. And some of you know, some of you know some of the things about my life, but none of you know all of it. But I just want to, my gosh, I, I, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Um, my my dad was my dad was born in 1918 in a time of great austerity. Nothing like the austerity we've got now. Far, far worse. Grew up in, a, in the Depression, and his mum was ill most of his life and died when she was 13, when he was 13. His dad remarried, and she didn't like my dad. He was an only child. He's very Victorian, my dad, in his outlook. He wasn't capable, able, because of his wounds, of demonstrating love. And he wasn't able to love my mom in a way that she needed to be loved. My mom, also a single child, she was born out of wedlock a few years later. It's the most terrible, shameful thing in those days. My nan brought her up for a couple of years. And my grandfather, who I absolutely adored, my grandfather used to play in the local military band or some, some brass band thing. And when he, was walk, when he was playing his band in the streets of Birmingham, my nan and my mom were watching, and he saw them. And um, they... From that point, they, they
they got back together again and uh, got married and stuff. But that, that clearly wounded my mom deeply. And she craved to be loved by somebody. And what I'm about to tell you now, I, just, I want you to know that I honor my mom and my dad. They're both with Jesus in heaven. I love them. I wouldn't change them for anybody. But I just want to be real and honest with you. Not pretend, put up any masks. When my mum, when I was about 11, my mum had an affair with a man. And um, you, you can't process this stuff as a child. But, but you do to a level, if, if that makes sense. But I was desperate that my mum would not leave home. Desperate. And I remember her saying to me, she put a burden on me as a child. That should never be placed upon a child. She, she basically said to me, this is before I was a Christian, I was about 11, and I knew the call of God on my life at 11. She said to me, I'm afraid that one of you is going to betray me, like Judas. And I thought, that will never be me. I will never, ever, ever be like Judas. And so I kept secret. Because once you make these inner vows, you, you're bound to yourself by it. I kept it secret. I never spoke to my brother or anybody about it. I never, ever mentioned it to my mom. And I thought, if I could be the best at school, she'll stay. If I, can, if I, if I hoover the house, if I peel the potatoes, if I do all the things that my dad seemingly is not doing that, because that used to make her ups, it will give her reason to stay. And I took on board this spirit of performance and perfectionism, which has stayed with me all these years. And I realized I thought, you know, I've had lots of prayer about this, but I realized, you know, prayer is a bit like dealing with skins on, the, on an onion that you peel a skin off and you get to one level and then, you, and then another level comes up. And you take that one off and you think you've dealt with it. And I thought it was all dealt with. But I realized some of these wounds were still deep-seated. And so I went to, um, I, I knew God was doing this. I knew, it, I knew it was a God thing, and I needed to, um, to go and get it prayed about again. And so I, I sought out some, some prayer ministry. Which was great, recently. But I just, I just want to say to you, I am fully saved... 
I know in my head that I am a child of God and a son of God, as you know that you are a son or a daughter of God. But sometimes, if we're living under these strongholds, we need to get the strongholds broken. And sometimes we need the help of others to help us do that. Jesus has paid the price. They are easily dealt with. I lived under this spirit of performance and perfection. I can't tell you what it's like to be a slave to those spirits of performance and perfection that you're hanging on everybody's word of approval. Have I got their, have I got their approval? Am I, am I receiving positive affirmation of who I am? Because if I didn't, I could hit the floor and be on my face. Although I'd keep my mask up, and everybody thinks you've got it sorted. Deep down inside, I am crying out to be loved and for God to make himself real to me. And it entered every area of my life and every relationship, including my first wife. And she also left. And she had her own issues. And I... I'm not seeking to blame her. I, I bless her. And worse still, these lies that we believe, because remember what Kim said, Satan comes. How many of you know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers? Strongholds. Can you get that slide up, James? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. They will destroy you as they will try and destroy me if we don't focus and center ourselves in Jesus. And these things come up because Jesus is running after us to set us free. He's paid the price. We no longer have to live under it. Does this make sense? Yeah. Paul says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And he also says in Galatians, My little children, for whom I labor in birth, like he's, like he's travailing in birth pains, until Christ is formed in you. And that is God's heart, for Christ to be formed in each one of us. Time's running on. So let me bring this to a conclusion. I'm telling you these things for the following reasons. First of all, I, I want Christ to be fully formed in me. 
and I want him to be fully formed in you. If these things are surfacing in your life, you know the stuff that's holding you down, the secrets that you keep. I want nothing to come between him and I. I, I want everything he has got for Kim and I so that we can be as fruitful as we can in the kingdom of God. Secondly, we are all part of the body of Christ. We are a community of believers. And if we're going to do community well, we need to build relationships. If we're going to build relationships, we have to know each other for who we truly are, warts and all. I've been overwhelmed by the love of God in this church. Adam, you, your love recently is such a blessing to me. I have been so blessed by your love for me. Truly. The love and support of your friends in church is liberating. It's a place you can be your true self and they can be their true self with you. So maybe you're aware of strongholds in your own life which have been coming to the surface and holding you back from Christ being fully formed in you. If this is true, make a decision today before God that you're going to sort it out with him. Come and get some prayer help if you, if you need it. Finally, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. Remember the Passover meal? He wanted that meal with his community of disciples. And he instigated what we now know as the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, call, call it what you like. And he took it to another level. And he said, this is my... This bread is my body. It's going to be broken for you and for many. Take it, eat it, and remember that I died for you. He's saying, remember my love for you. Remember that I leave the 99 to come after you. He's not far away. He's close. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this blood is the blood of the new covenant. Remember the new covenant? I will be your God and you will be my people. It's not a God that's far away. He's close. He's so close comes to make his home in our hearts when we ask him to come in. When you have him in your hearts, you wouldn't have anything else in the world to take his place. His heart is for, you, for Christ to be fully formed in you so that others that are not yet in the body of Christ can come in. And this meal is a demonstration that we are a body of Christ. We are a community of believers and not just this community in Hope Church but across the whole world where thousands and billions believe in Christ or have believed in him. We're his family. Time's running on. 
let's do this quickly. We can do this quickly. There's some gluten-free bread here for those that, that are gluten-free. Let's just pray. Father, you have broken the power of sin over our lives. We receive that by faith. We know that's true in Jesus dying for us on the cross. We eat this bread and we, we, we drink this cup in remembrance of all that you have done for us upon the cross. Thank you for making us your people. Thank you that you're close. Thank you that your heart is to set us free from stuff that holds us back. In Jesus' name, amen.